Hey y'all, welcome to Kentucky Fried Wargaming. I'm John. I'm Joe. And we're changing it up today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and have me start and run this because this episode is a response to Joe being a bastard and getting me into A Song of Ice and Fire. And John not knowing our intro after Lord knows how many episodes. Yeah. I'm not the intro guy. It's fine. <laughs> People will love it. It's fantastic. My brand is uh never knowing what's going on yep that's it and world leaders which you're essentially playing in this game yes uh so you just broke your own brain didn't you i did you <laughs> ran into this not knowing what you were gonna say at the beginning huh <laughs> not at all uh-huh i'm Seth the vince ventrilla of this pair i see Yes, Seth will edit it. It'll be all right. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I go, yeah, John, you, you can just open. I'm sure it'll be fine. Pfft, wrong. Uh, oh, so many good clips. <laughs> so, hobby time and games played. <laughs> no, that's not how this goes. <laughs> good God. We have done. Like, we are... I don't know. I think we're almost at 75 episodes, John. <laughs> 75 episodes of this podcast. And you're telling me in all this time, you haven't learned how to talk <laughs> on a podcast? Jesus Christ. In my defense, John. Joseph, Jesus. I'm almost 30 and don't know how to talk in life. So Good. it's what it is. God almighty, that dog don't hunt. <laughs> do you want to restart it or just no, keep rolling we're too, we're too deep down now john i'm just gonna watch rome fall all right but in general john what's the episode about four minutes into the intro <laughs> so what we're talking about today is a song of ice and fire namely my response to it what we think works what we don't think works so well um the speed, the appeal it brings, and all of it, and more importantly, because we both enjoyed it, shocking, the future of what we want to see from the game, because mm -hmm. uh, we're both kind of invested now. Yeah, I mean, essentially, last episode, I was like, hey, John, like, I found this thing, I'm gonna pitch it to you, and uh, he's played it, and now it's time to have a follow-up, and even though, I know we talked about a Song of Ice and Fire last episode, but we're just gonna talk about it again. Might talk about it next episode. Might talk about it for nine episodes in a row. Get a little funky. We'll see. Who knows? What did you just drop at the background? Nothing. That was my chair. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to have a transition. Jesus uh, <laughs> 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 wept. <laughs> Play the music. It's almost 75 episodes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh well now it's my turn to ask you joseph what have you done for hobby this week holy hell survive um let's see uh last time i was starting on nightwatch i have since painted the entirety of my first sworn brothers nightwatch unit it is painted up ready to go john's seen it and as he always says when he sees my minis man that looks better in person which is the most underhanded thing i love it um they do like your painting doesn't look bad in pictures you're just bad at taking pictures you're just a better like painter than you are picture taker i'm shit at taking pictures i grant this it's true i should probably get like a shadow box or something yes i've told you many times yeah but if i, did, I can't like... talk you can't take pictures we'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> one of these things is a bigger detriment in an audio format um yeah but i painted that whole unit and maester amon um it was actually kind of fun to paint them. There was like, I don't know, I'm so used to painting really, really detailed minis with a whole bunch of like kerfuffle and little bojangles all over them. With, little gibbons. Yeah, all sorts of little gubbins all over the models that you have to go pick out individually almost too much, so much that you like lose your sanity. And these models painted up pretty quickly because they just didn't have those. Like there were a couple of like belts and stuff, but 
there weren't nearly as many skulls or metal edge highlights that needed to be done. So they painted up pretty fast. And uh, Maester Amon is just a single old dude. So that wasn't hard either. That is actually really fun. Um, I've also spent some time prepping uh, my free folk to be painted. Uh, I've heard that some of these minis from Cool Mini or Not will sometimes have a little bit of release agent left on them from time to time, which can make painting them difficult. But uh, to get around that, I've just been a little safe and everything that I'm getting for these minis, I'm washing them first. So uh, I took some time throughout the week to also wash a bunch of my Free Folk minis that I got and uh, sort of pulled out and started making lists for. So now those are ready to start being painted as soon as I have a little bit of free time. Uh, I also went up to the local store, played a pickup game of 40k, not a Song of Ice and Fire, but a guy had a league opponent who just didn't show up, and, uh, I didn't, like, he had already come up to play a game anyway, so, hey man, like, if you still want a game in, I'll, like, I'll stand in for an opponent, and, uh, realized that 40k has a lot of rules that you forget after very little time, uh, especially for custodies, because you have to remember all your, like, your karate stances, but your karate stances have two substances per karate stance, and then there, you have to pick them, not just, like, pick three karate stances, but you have to pick the order of which you're going to use your karate stances, and you could shift through them between rounds, but sometimes not, and sometimes you get to double dip on karate stances, depending on your sub-faction, and I forgot all of that. So, uh, I've lost, nonetheless, but had a really good time, uh, giving that feller a game, um, and also kind of wheeling and dealing. I feel like I'm kind of like the drug hookup for my group. Yes. <laughs> I was like on the fence about Song of Us. I'm like, oh, I'll try like a pickup game. It might be all right. And then like, I'm just like walking around to like Target. And I get a, a message from Joe going, hey man, do you want some Greyjoys for like super cheap? And I went, I was kind of interested in them. How much is a lot? He's like enough to like the entire range besides one unit. Oh damn! For how much? Uh, like thirty-five percent of retail. Holy shit! <laughs> like, I talk to people, John. I go to a game store and I just start chatting because I'm an affable lad. Uh, and as I'm sitting there shooting the breeze, sometimes I find out people are selling stuff. Um, and when I find out, I feel it is my duty to pitch it to other people in the group so that I can have more opponents, and everyone else can get crackhead price deals. It's great. How dare you? You're welcome for my service. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I found that. I also found myself like some Nightwatch, like a hell of a Night's Watch deal that will fill out my entire force for a hundred bucks. It's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, I had a good time. Uh, and then I had like medical stuff that put me out of commission for a little bit. Uh, so no painting or anything, but now I'm uh, chomping at the bit to get back at it, especially now that my free folk are prepped and ready to go. Uh, and also, played a couple of games with John, which uh, I will not talk about right this second, because we'll probably mention it later, but got a couple of games of Song of Ice and Fire in, which was really fun. Actually, in the weekend before that, we played. Oh my god, did we play a Song of Ice and Fire two weekends in a row? We did. We yeah. did. Oh shit. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, we had like a little mini A Song of Ice and Fire Day, um, where our buddy Travis came down from Cleveland, uh, buddy Tanner came up from Richmond, and uh, sort of met here in the middle where I'm at, and we got, what, five games in in a day? Something, Something. like we got a ton of games in. Not like and five like, per we... person, but like five games were played in the span of a couple of hours. But like... I think if we would have been actually like trying to get in games and not like wasting much time in between, we would have gotten in easily twice as many as we normally get. Yeah. Well, and also we started late because I had a motorcycle course in the morning. Uh, so I didn't even get home so we could start playing until like three or four. So, uh, you know, there was a little bit of delay, but a lot of games were played. Uh, T our buddy Tanner brought his Baratheons and threw them down. Travis brought Greyjoys. I was playing Free Folk uh, based around Bear Rider women because everyone said they were terrible. And I am convinced that they're all high and I'm going to prove them wrong. 
Uh, I call that list Bear Ball. And then John, I gave a loner list of uh, Night's Watch, which I'm interested to hear how he liked, because it was kind of like a handoff list. Uh, but yeah, a lot of gaming this past uh, update, which is nice to hear. I feel like I very rarely play games, usually. What about you, John? What have you been up to? I have the bug! Alright, so... I have begun painting these Greyjoys that I have gotten from Joseph. I started last night. Like, I rushed through a bunch of the stuff I needed to get done so that I could spend some time painting. And I'm going to paint more tonight. Like, when we're done doing this, I'm going to do dinner thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe watch an episode of a show. And then I'm going to dive back into painting. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm, we're going to talk more about it in the episode about our actual games played. But... I'm enjoying this, and it's sparking like that creative juice again. Not just for this, but for a lot of stuff. Like I'm looking at some of my like Skaven, looking at doing some more of those. Just mm-hmm. working on more projects that have just been sitting because I haven't felt the urge to like paint. It also helps. I've started unpacking all my stuff from moving, and it's just I'm wanting to get back in that creative process again, mm-hmm. back in that cycle. Sometimes you just need a little spark to get everything going. And I'll be honest, sometimes I just really like painting simple stuff, and I don't always have that option with Warhammer, right? Like, yeah, painting clan rats is really simple. Like, I've done most of that. But, like, try to paint your, uh, like, Thousand Suns or something, and you're going to have a tough time doing that. Yeah, like, try to paint any Chaos model at all. Like, it's, it's like a crash course on how do you paint skull and bone forever oh and trim and trim yeah just loads of trim gold everywhere <laughs> yeah whereas like painting dark or low fantasy raiding viking dudes real easy yeah i mean i will tell you for night's watch uh i spiced it up a little because i didn't want to just paint black on black on black on black but even then i mean it really was like all right prime them all black Dry brush some stuff like a deep, deep brown. All right, dry brush some different stuff, a deep, deep gray. All right, dry brush the last bit of stuff, a deep, deep blue. Wash stuff where you need to. Details, skin, highlight. Be done. Yeah. It's really fast for low fantasy minis, which is wonderful compared to what we're used to. It's a huge change. I'm a huge fan. Because, uh, like, you have stuff like Space Marines, right? Which are pretty easy to paint. They're pretty simple. But they still have those, like, tiny little things. Every time you look at the model and you think you're done, there's another little piece. Mm-hmm. Whereas I had the opposite with this. Like, I just painted a bunch of stuff, painted the stuff that made sense. I looked at it, I was like, huh, that's it? Where's the pouch inside the pouch with the grenade? And, like, <laughs> the, where's the 18 knives and the 14 skulls and the 72 chains and the big clock and like the enough purity seals to like cut down the entire amazon rainforest like what what are we doing uh which is a, it's a nice change of pace like oh i know i'll be going back to that relatively soon because world leaders are coming out and they look beautiful those berserker sculpts look great but that can wait i'm gonna enjoy this game of thrones uh song of ice and fire game while watching the show and reading the book and diving back all into that again Mm-hmm. Yeah, and might as well strike while the iron's hot. But speaking of A Song of Ice and Fire, we should get into what playing the game has done for us. Thank God, a transition! Yes, I can sometimes transition, but not very well. So, the first thing I kind of want to get into, Joe, is the sheer like game design elements and yep. list building parts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think from the ground up, the fact that most of the game's keywords and rules on movement and just in general fit on a double-sided card. Yeah. Is great. Like, there is, like, four keywords. There's, like, six abilities, like, that are different that is shared across factions, right? hmm And, like, there are more abilities in the game that are shared across factions but they are laid out on the card. So you don't need to open up a rule book, which is the big thing for me, right? At no point during any of these games, even learning the fresh fresh games, we did not need to open up a army faction rule book. No, not at all. That would like live and die depending on how well it's set up. 
because it's on these cards. Right? The 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 one one or two abilities per unit are on a card with how much they swing, how many dice they use, what they're using, the ranges, all of it. And it's mostly done with visual mediums. So like the two dashes for the range attacks means that it's long range. It's not 12 inches, not 36, it's not 27, it's not 12 plus 3 because of the stratagem re-rolling because of the your faction bonus. It is two dashes, long range, which is 12 inches, done. Across the board. One dash, sh- short range, six inches. Oh, what do you know? This ability says target a unit within long range. That's 12 inches. So it's all standardized. Yeah, I do like the standardization of ranges for this game. It makes everything real simple. Um, and it it makes it move fast. Right? Yeah. And it also means when you're building lists, it's pretty easy when you're like, okay, how am I going to position all my forces? I have three abilities that go off short range. Okay, so I'm probably going to be bunched up, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe I have like a bunch of abilities that have long range. Well, I can spread out a little bit more and position my army differently, right? So even building lists makes it infinitely easier. And because of the way they use, and it's going to sound very nitpicky, but the way they use bold and underline and color on these cards and on these like list building apps, it's very easy to remember what does what. Mm-hmm. And where the combos kind of naturally flow. Because it's still a, a miniatures war game that has like combos where you want certain units to synergize with other units, but it's not clearly laid out for you like in a chart. But it's they, they make the dots for you and they leave you to draw the line mm-hmm. instead of leaving you thumbtacks and a line and a corkboard and going figure it out. Yeah, uh, there's a whole lot less uh, mental load there, which I think is really nice because it leaves your brain open to just think of how you're gonna play the game. Um. And I think that also extends into like commanders and attachments uh, and being able to just put them in a unit. And the only thing you have to do is to pay the points for them if you need to, and then take their little card for the character and set it underneath your unit card. And that's it. You're ready to go. Now well, what you, I like. you could read the bold just like you can on the regular unit card and everything is laid out. Very nicely and clearly. And another thing that's great is you have your base cards because you use tactics cards to use in in the game to kind of like act almost as stratagems for those of you who play 40k. Mm-hmm. Um, but you only, can only have so many in your hand at a time. You draw them so they're kind of random. And you have your base deck. And then when you get your commander, essentially like your air quotes sub-faction, you slap the cards that come with that commander into that deck and shuffle it, and mm-hmm. you have access to those too. So the choice of commander when building a list is not based off of just the sheer power they bring onto a unit, but what cards do they bring and how do they synergize with the rest of your list? Yeah. So some commanders might be absolute beat sticks that can really get in there and just crush in combat. But their cards might be a little lackluster. Whereas otherwise... You have some commanders that are the reverse. They really don't hit all that hard in combat, but their utility through the cards or maybe like a board effect, uh, like Asha from Greyjoys, for example, is enough to still make them very interesting, regardless of their actual like punchy punch ability. And huge fan. About commanders, I really like that, like this one model, right? Like we'll use Asha Greyjoy as an example again. You can take her as a commander. You can take her as an attachment, essentially like a sergeant in a squad that gives a different bonus and a different ability. Or you can take her as an NCU, a non-combat unit that you use to maneuver on the non-combat unit board to activate certain abilities. And she she has different abilities in all three, but you can only take her in one place. Yeah. So in list building options, you also want to think about, okay, we're I might want to bring this character another place, so I might not want to bring them as a commander. Like, I love using Vicarian, the Iron Captain, as an attachment and not as a commander because of the ability he brings. Uh, whereas I like to use, like, Balon Greyjoy as a commander because I like his cards and I like his ability on his, that he, he can bring. And, like, I think Eric 
is a great NCU because he allows me to like activate my mechanic pillage a little bit more. But I don't necessarily like his commander. And I like that flexibility where like there's kind of three ways each of these characters gets a chance of being good. Yeah, which like I don't know, it just gives you a little bit of flexibility which feels nice and you get a little bit more mileage out of your mini. Um but how did all that sort of play out in your first games? So in my, my first couple of games, like my very first game, I was kind of confused um, because it was, it was more simple than I expected, right? Like I'm sitting there playing with the cards. Like moves up, I'm like, okay, is that it? Oh no, that is just it. Okay, I guess like, do I do this? And then this, it just works like that? And there wasn't like a caveat, like with a lot of 40K and Age of Sigmar and stuff. And like Infinity is also pretty bad about this. There's always a do this, but do this, but do this, but. But in this game, it was do this. It just happens. Yeah. And Um, your opponent gets to answer it, but you do the thing. mm Mm-hmm. And the fact that your opponent gets to answer a lot of it also makes it feel more interactive. Yeah, I don't like even playing air quotes control type armies or units or cards doesn't feel bad for either person because there's always something someone can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I found engaging. I was like, I after the beginning, my first game was hooked. Like, I enjoyed the way combat flows. Uh, like, I enjoy that even though the game is mostly melee focused with like a little bit of range, the melee felt very back and forth. Right? It feels like a fight. It feels like the slightest mismaneuver or the slightest trip up or like faint from your opponent with like a clever move is going to cause ramifications. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And then on top of all of that, the thing I think that I like the most, even though it's somewhat infuriating because the faction I'm playing is that morale matters. Oh, in so many, yeah. In so many of these games, the morale system is either non-existent or is just overly tuned or overly complex. This one is not. It's very simple of like negative a couple of numbers, positive a couple of numbers, take some more wounds here, take some wounds there. And there's lots of ways to combo out with the factions with it. But it's not like with Kill Team, for instance, there's like, I don't know, like seven pages of rules about how negatives work and how they interact with wounds and yada, yada, yada. Or in like 40k, half the factions just ignore it. <laughs> it's an optional mechanic, seemingly. Mm-hmm. It, it felt good. And the surprising part, the thing I think surprised me the most, was just how much the NCU board changed the game for me. Oh, man, yeah. I think that is kind of the wake-up call first game you play, is realizing that the NCU board, clever use, can win you the game. Uh, not just winning the game, but also make the game feel like an actual war fight and not just like an RTS on a table. Yeah. Like the, it adds a level of immersion. It's very fun because you can you can see the politics going on to the side. You can kind of tell a little bit of narrative there while also playing the game over here. And it it almost acts as like reactions in a lot of ways, which is very fun. And mm-hmm. I want to see more games adapt that. Like, Flat, I think that if your game has any sort has any sort of narrative behind the scenes of like politics or logistics, which I think most of them do, uh, this should get implemented in some way or some form into most of these games. I think it it completely it brings a whole new thing to the design space of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, if those were your realizations from game one, like how did it feel game two once you kind of had a little bit of the uh experience underneath you like so game two is a lot of the same ones of just of game one reinforcing it um i think it's because i was using the same faction because i was using uh the night's watch Mm -hmm. and i was the night's watch were kind of like playing gray knights or like a mostly terminator force in 40k were like if i made one mistake it felt super punishing but like i kept getting big win after big win because it just hit really hard. Yeah. And then when I moved to playing Greyjoys the weekend after, that's where I had to learn, like, okay, I need to play synergistically. I need to play in a tempo fashion 
Because alpha, like, even though I do a lot of damage and I'm an aggressive army, alpha strikes don't really work. You don't, you can't really kill a unit in one turn. So you have to be like, the game is so built around momentum and not just what do, what can I nuke turn one to kind of hamper my foe and then do cleanup? Like that doesn't, doesn't happen here. It is what can I push and pull on to build momentum to finally break the gate? Yeah. And if I can't do that in time, or if I can't do that in a way that my opponent can outmaneuver me, then I'm probably going to lose. Yeah. I think Greyjoys are like a very, uh, like a hard, hard right turn compared to Night's Watch. I mean, you went from like two very, very wide ends of the spectrum from like, you know, elite units that are kind of slow, but all very, very rock solid to a faction that has some chaff that's just okay with taking losses that are acceptable to power up the big stuff. Yeah. With an interesting mechanic of like, you have to do damage in order to get unlock the full benefits of your units. So you have to sacrifice stuff to get stuff in there. Certainly churning yeah and i was surprised like overall with the game about how diverse the mechanics are how much of the game is like i kind of expected it to be a little bit more the two flanks run into each other and they hit each other with like slight bonuses here maybe a different ability over here maybe the politics allow you to do some cool stuff and like a couple of like cool units like cavalry moving around and I was really surprised by just the sheer amount of flavor, right? Yeah. Uh, in particular, like, I love, oh, what is it? Uh, Aaron Greyjoy? The guy with, like, the crown who influences a unit and makes them really, really hard to kill. Balon Greyjoy. Uh, not Balon Greyjoy, Balon Blacktide. Blacktide, that's it. Uh, so, Balon Blacktide, uh, he has the ability that when he's politically politicking, he can he's like a priest of this drowned god. Uh, and when he takes some players on the NCU board, he could kind of pick a unit that he's going to bless with his favor. And they get really good bonuses that make them hard to kill. I mean, terribly hard to kill. Doubles their tankiness. Uh, like every, it takes two wounds to deal one wound to them while they're blessed by this hero. Uh, however, if at any point that unit fails a leadership check, like a panic test, he no longer finds them worthy of his blessing and pulls it off of them. And I love how fickle it is. Uh, and it's a fun tactical lever as an opponent. Um, like, I was playing John in a game where I was playing my Free Folk against his uh, Greyjoys so that he could try him out. And I was just absolutely, like, smashing it off of a unit that was blessed by him. And then through a clever move, I was able to, like, take a politic board that meant he had to take a check at some negatives. And with a combination, he failed it. And then, boom, the uber-powerful card that was really good is pulled off with flavor and fun mechanics that I got to engage with as an opponent. And, like, I got to feel like a clever, clever boy for solving this problem. And then, you know, attacking him and doing a bunch of damage. It's, it's yeah. so good. And I think that brings me to, like, the second big thing I want to talk about, which is how quickly the game picked up for me and how quickly I could just dive into the game, start looking up lists, start building lists of my own, coming up with combos, learning what the abilities do, and it just, it all clicks really quick. And not just for me, but for almost everyone else who's been playing, they've been picking it up way faster than other games. And it's laid out so easily. Like, you can be sitting in the middle of a game and looking at a board, scratching your chin and go, oh, I can do this here, and then that might let me do this over here. And you start doing that, and your opponent notices it and goes, all right, I see what they're probably going to do. I'm going to try to do this over here. And it feels like chess. Almost immediately. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where as you play a faction, you come to figure out what they want. You come to figure out how they're probably going to try to operate. And your faction that you're playing, similarly, has tendencies that are in there. 
But once you know an opponent a little, and you have just a, the smallest amount of experience playing a faction, not only are you thinking, what do I want to do to accomplish my game plan? But maybe, can I go out of my way to take something that I don't want, but that I know will really hurt theirs? And your opponent's thinking the same about yours. You're politicking and scheming and strategizing in this Game of Thrones game. Uh, trying to, like, cut off avenues for your opponent. And it happens so fast. I am not a crunchy rules guy. And I came, I sort of got with it and came into the fold probably within, like, two turns. Because it's just that simple. Um... My wife, who doesn't really have a head for mechanics, but really, really loves flavor, even for her, like, one or two games, she now understands exactly how everything flows. Uh, and that's just a breath of fresh air. It makes it easy and, to teach people. And, like, when we played our games of Free Folk, like, our first game of Free Folk, I kind of got slapped around a lot. But I felt like our second game with, like, Rayjoys versus your Free Folk, you were basically playing the same list. But the back and forth of like politics to tactics to movement to positioning to everything, we were just we were neck and neck for most of the game. Yeah, we were until like the very end where you you pulled like a couple point lead over me that I was just like done. Yeah, it yeah. was very close, and it felt like we were tugging and pulling at each other constantly. Yeah, there was no point where like it was just kind of a run over. Um... Like, we got to a point where John pushed up really, really aggressively with the Greyjoys, because that's what Greyjoys do. Um, and I just kind of left him bogged down on, like, this weird corner edge of the board. And instead of being in the fight, I had some fast units. So I decided, like, oh, like, I could just scamper on all the, like, on four out of five objectives. Okay, I got him. And, like, up until that point, I had no idea if I was going to be able to pull it out. Uh, but it wasn't until, like, turn four, after we had had some great bloody fights with a whole bunch of positioning, that a path opened itself up to win on objective points. Um, yeah. But at that point, like, when we realized it was over, it wasn't, oh, man, like, you pulled out that weird thing I didn't know you had. You gotcha'd me. It was, damn, that's a good move. GG. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what well played. Like yeah, it's one of those situations where, like, a move I made two turns ago, and you counter-moved, accidentally led to you having an opening that you could take. Yeah. It 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 wasn't because I had a two-point stratagem that let me get just go, and I don't have to play your game mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, very, it was very good, very natural. I enjoyed that. And I think that, on top with having such a deep well of stuff to pull from in the actual IP, helps the game a lot. Um, mm -hmm. The houses have their own identity. There's very flavorful characters. If you've read the books, you know that this is very, very deep world, much more than even the show shows. But on top of that, there's a super long show to watch while you're painting miniatures. So like, you can kind of immerse yourself in the thing while you're playing or like doing. It. I mean, we're making jokes that we're gonna have a big, uh, you know, War of the Seven Kingdoms one weekend, and we're gonna fight over a lawn chair that we shove plastic swords on and called the Iron Throne. Like it's yeah. hilarious. It's, it's gonna fun. be great. <laughs> it's it's great. Uh, but I also think that that might be some of the game's downfall. Because uh, like one of the great things about Warhammer is that it is so vague. You can kind of make your battles narrative whatever you want. I think that's less the case here. Because we kind of have defined battles. We know some of these characters and what happens to them. Yeah. It's a lot less open-ended. And I think that is a positive, and that's also a negative. And I'm, it makes me wonder where the future of the game is going to go. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think it's a similar issue you run into when you play Legion. Like Star Wars Legion. Because Legion spans the prequels, the sequels, and I'm sure we're going to get into the... Well, the prequels, the sequels, and the originals. And I'm sure we're going to... Well, actually, I don't know if we have the sequels yet, but I'm sure we're going to get there. But, I mean, you're going to have characters on the field fighting enemy characters who were not alive at the time that, like, they were born, like, time stuff. But I, 
I don't know. It was one of those things that kind of I was a little worried about in Legion before I played it. But now that I've played it a number of times, it just doesn't bother me. It's more fun that it's a little weird. Um, and I feel like this is similar. We're like, do I necessarily know why the Free Folk are running all the way down to pillage the Lannisters? No. But do I still want to do it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody knows what happens to Ned Stark, but, like, Ned Stark, he's a playable character in the Starks. So what? He's fighting, like, the Dornishman? The House Martell? Like, what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. But that's okay, I think. I think that getting too wrapped up in that kind of ruins the fun. Because you can always just do what-if situations. Yeah. You sure can. Well, and also, like, I'm not going to say too much, but, like, for people who have read the books, not all dead characters are dead. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. And, like, I think, as a final note, we'll talk about, like, the future we want to see for the game. Yeah. Uh, I think that, like, releasing the rest of the houses, um, they're bringing out House Martell soon, adding more units, adding more interesting things, it's great. Uh, maybe add stuff from other parts of the world, maybe some of the Free City stuff that isn't just, like, Targaryens folded in. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. Be a huge fan. Um, I'd also like to see White Walkers introduced at some point. Um, and I know that, like, I've listened to a podcast with some of the creators, and I think they said George R. R. Martin was not sure there was enough depth to make an army out of them. But I, I just respectfully disagree, George. <laughs> like... If you sat me down with a 24-pack of beer and a day, I would come out of there after listening to the Winds of Castamere with a full army list and multiple NCUs and commanders. Like, there's, there's gas in that tank, I think. Like, there are giant ice spiders that you could ride around on as cavalry. Come on now. Yeah, I think that there's... A lot of the future of this game itself is actually going to really depend on the, the success of the new House of Dragon show and yeah. how much this world continues to grow. Like, if we, if we just stick to the Song of Ice and Fire books in this time, in this setting, it's going to probably be pretty limited and eventually we'll eventually stop having stuff to come out for it. Mm -hmm. At least that makes sense. And I think House of Dragons opens up a whole lot because there's a whole lot of Targaryen stuff from way back when. But it's still the same houses. But, like, we can see where else the story goes. Like, the fundamentals of the setting and the fundamentals of the universe allows it to expand past where the season eight ended. Not very well. And then a lot of, like, what it was in the past and how, what magic is, what it means, all sorts of things. Yeah. And I think that's a possibility for the IP, considering the success of House of Dragon right now. Yeah, I mean, as we record this, there are only four episodes out, but so far... It's getting a glowing reception, which bodes well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they lean into it for some inspiration. Uh, and also, if that means HBO might greenlight and really try to push forward on some of these other expanded series that they've been talking about, like uh, Arya exploring East to head to a new continent, which is a whole other continent of minis for this game. Or Jon Snow after the end of the show heading north. Like, way north. What's there? I don't know, but it'd probably be cool minis. Um, and, I don't know. It's a huge world, and we've only seen a bit of it. So, if the shows are really successful, and we get to see some more, I imagine that will translate into more, uh, sort of more gas in the tank for the developers, who are very active, to just keep on making new stuff for us. Which, I hope hey. they do, because this is a blast. No, and like, Accessories-wise, they've already released some accessories for it. Like, they have the little activation banners you can buy. But I also think that they should make, like, little plastic versions of all the terrain they have. Mm-hmm. That would sell, like, hotcakes. I'd buy it in a heartbeat. Yeah, set it on top of whatever your 2D terrain piece is, and then just, like, pick it up when you're not standing on it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'd be game. Because uh, I very, like 3D terrain. Deep. I, I do too. A 2D terrain is probably one of the negatives for this game for me. Um, so much I'm probably going to make some of my own 3D terrain. I just prefer it standing up on the board. Yeah. I get why you need 2D when you're on it, because movement trays, fair enough. 
I totally agree. But like if I have, for example, a, a, a tree that is 2D sitting on the board, if I'm not touching it, why not put an actual plastic tree that's painted like a weird wood and set it on top of the 2D piece? Um, it just looks cool. I'm here for it. Uh, what I hope they keep, I hope they keep this style right now, is the mid-size of the game, where it's not so large. Like, the, the average game is 40 points, which is probably, what, I would say 5 to 7 or 8 units. Uh, something like that. And two of those, at least, are probably, like, NCUs, so, like, single characters. Yeah. And so, it's not a ton. Is it more than a skirmish game? Absolutely. But, it is not, like, 200 models, scave models, plus big monster, plus yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a lot more reasonable, and I think that it draws more people in. I think that makes it a lot easier of a sell. That and the price point being much cheaper than most war games. Yeah, I mean it's kind of twofold. One, the boxes are cheaper, but two, you just need less minis to play. Uh, and I also want to see them take like adapt some of the stuff that we know happens in the books, like certain battles, like the Greyjoy Rebellion, for instance, that like Robert and Ned went and squashed. Release it as like a campaign book. Like here's here's a series of three missions, right? Even if it's a PDF. Here's a series of like three or four missions that you should play out with your buddy who plays Baratheons or Starks and like and Greyjoys. And here's how you can replay that in the game. Or replay the Battle of the Trident with like the Starks and the Baratheons versus um well the Starks, the Baratheons and the Lannisters versus the Targaryens. Right. Super like, cool. Just all sorts of stuff like that. I think though that that would be a lot of fun. I think a lot of people would really dig that. I think it it works for 40k. It can absolutely work here. I think it might work even a little easier here because they have a digital release platform rather than having to go out and buy a bunch of the books. God, yes. Also, like, this is not shade. I understand it's a free app, but I wish they updated their app faster because it's weird that the, like, player-driven um, builder online, like, web builder, is more updated and has, mm -hmm. like, all the cards and everything in it, whereas, like, the mobile app from Cool Mini or not doesn't have all of the recent releases in it. Yeah, I did notice that. I uh, I got, what is it, Varric 6 skins? Uh, and I was going to try to like do some list building with him, but I, I just cannot. It's He's not there. Um, which is unfortunate. At least the community has stepped up to fill the gap, but it's just a shame they have to. Yeah. Uh, I can look past it because of the rest of the game's excellence, but it is like something I hope they improve on in the future. And I hope they up their presence in like some of the bigger tournaments and things and like conventions, because I think this game has like pretty impeccable balance. Yeah. I mean, like we've played how many factions? Uh, one, two, three, four, five factions now all against each other. Almost. Um, I have yet to feel like a heavy, heavy skew. Um, like I even did some digging online and a lot of the stats online from like tournaments and other things. Even the worst tier faction, which is, I think, Starks, Targaryens, still have won tournaments pretty recently. Starks and just recently won the big GT. Like, yeah, they're only like a couple of points away from each other. So like there is no real worst faction. They're all kind of neck and neck. And that's pretty cool. Like normally, like from what I understand historically with the game, because it's been out for a few years, there's like every once in a while, like there'll be one list that comes out where just something's a little too broken and that just gets nerfed a little bit and everything goes back into normal. It's not like some of the other bigger games where it's like this cycle of new faction, great for three months, bad. New faction, great for three months, bad. Like mm -hmm. it's everything's kind of on the equal tier. Can play it at least in also a casual setting. I never felt like somebody list building a the, just a normal list was too good to play against. Yeah, uh, until Tanner makes us all panic off the board with all of his flaming holy adventurers. Gotta be delightful. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Can't He's wait. got a witch. He's got a witch. It's fine. We'll burn her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, our group has had collectively like 10 games over the past two weeks. Something like that. Jesus, that's yeah. a lot of games. It's uh, easy to play. 
And like, I, it's great. I have yet to see a stomp. Like I, I just I've yet to see it. Whereas, you know, that is not always the case when we play other games. Um you know, there are times genuinely where in other systems where you might have someone lose in a single turn. And that's always real unfortunate. And just the way that the developers have structured everything, I I don't know if that can really happen here. Which I like. I like a whole lot. I, feel, I like that it feels like you're in it uh, and kind of fighting for victory right up until, you know, you're towards the end of the game. I think that's how it should be. Especially if you're playing in a casual group where really, like, you came up there to just, you know, you came to the house or the store to get a game in. And it, it's a shame when your game only lasts a turn. Um, at least here, even if you lose, man, you probably had a good time doing it. At least in my limited experience. Yeah. And, like, man, I, I'm going to use, like, some final comments here to really discuss something I think a lot of games need to do better. And I think what sells this game the most to new folks and what I'm going to use to sell this to new folks the most is that the starter boxes are some of the best starter boxes I've seen in any miniatures game I've played in my almost 15 years of playing this game, mm-hmm. like these kinds of games. It is a one it is a one box, $100, unless you want to buy it all on Amazon for 75 bucks. That's fine. And it comes with everything you need to play the game. And I don't mean just like, oh, yeah, everything you need, except for like this, like two things. No, everything's pre-built. It's got a measuring stick that has all of the measurements you're ever going to need. It's got all the dice you're going to need. I never used more dice than what the box gave me. And they're faction dice, so they're already flavored for whatever army you're playing. Yep. Bonus. Um, absolutely. Tokens. Plenty of tokens. All of the 2D terrain you need. All of the miniatures. All of the movement trays for the miniatures. All of the cards, including every one of the hero cards that you have in that starter set, and the base deck, and uh, all objective the cards, cards, objective cards, mission cards. There's a secondary mission to play in there using like a siege battle, which is just cool. It's not just like the basic game. It's got a rule book, and if that rule book's outdated, there's a free one online on the app that it tells you to use to build your army. Yeah, And when you buy an, an expansion box, like when you buy a $35 unit to add to your army or maybe for some versatility, right? You get everything you need to add that immediately into that. So the first purchase when starting a new army is just one of these starter sets. It's perfect. And the best part, I think the most integral and important part of it is that it was designed from the get-go to be a 30-point army that you can be played against another 30-point army. You can take any of these two starter sets and hit, fight them against one another, and it's a good game. Yeah. Yeah, fully agreed. Uh, and some, you might get lucky and get more than, like, I think the average I've seen is, like, 34 points out of a starter set. So you get the 30 points and then some, so you have options. But some high roll to, like, 42 points, y'all. Like, they're yeah. value boxes. I cannot tell you how many times I have looked someone in the face when explaining to them how to get into AOS or Warhammer or Infinity or Malifaux or any of these other games, even Star Wars Legion, and go, yes, yeah, so you're going to want to start get the starter kit, and then we'll play a small game uh, for a while until you get these other four kits, and then we can play a full game. Mm-hmm. Like It is not just a games workshop problem. It's a problem across the board. Like It is... And this game, doing it right, is just very impressive. And I kind of expect it from every other game. Like, every other game's, air quote, starter set has to live up to this. Yeah, and if they don't, I will not forget it. Like, yeah, yeah like the Indominus, the, the Indominus box set for 40k was great because it came with, like, a set of Necrons, a set of Marines, um, a rule book. and rule book and a bunch of stuff, right? But that comes out once every three or four years, and it's like $200, and if you're not playing those two factions, get fucked. Yeah, whereas here, you get to choose by faction. So anybody yeah. playing is going to have an option to get in really easily, and I, th- I think that's great. I cannot yeah. support them more. I, hats off to the devs, and cool many or not. Great design. Like I, yeah, I think anyone selling miniatures for a war game should genuinely think as like first step, how do we get new people in with a starter set that is enticing? That is an and, actual starter set. And this is a masterclass in that. 
It is tr not just, here's what you need to kind of barely scrape by. It is, here's what you need to start playing the game. Full stop. And it builds an immediate sense of respect between the developer and the player and that they welcome you into the game by giving you all the tools you need to start and then have enough confidence in the game they've built that you will buy more models. Yep. Yeah, they don't need to nickel and dime you because they have confidence that once you do get their starter set, you have everything you need. Uh, presumably, another person got a starter set. You're going to have so much fun that you cannot help but want to buy more. And especially with their more reasonable pricing structure, it makes it even more tempting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's great. I love how they're currently operating the sort of business end of the game, uh, which I feel like we don't talk about quite as much sometimes, but when it's this good, like you've got to shout it out. I, I'm yeah, just I'm, a fan. I'm sure at some point we'll do an episode about like the business side of wargaming and how it is uh, kind of sad and depressing, but like, like maybe we won't, who knows? If you don't want us to tell us, please fucking don't like, <laughs> <laughs> please. And also if you want to hear more about this, a song of ice and fire, like, we've just did two episodes. Like, we did my sort of pitch and John's response. If you want to hear more, for example, let's say you want to hear about the factions and specifically what are their faction identities? What do they do? The kind of what's the elevator pitch? Where do I get started? If you're really interested, let us know. Like, guys, be more than happy to break down these factions. I mean, we've got like five of the factions represented in our playgroup currently, and it's only growing. And so, we can just get the ones we don't have and try them. Oh, well, you know, if I gotta, I can do it for 75 bucks. Um, I mean, I'll do it for the listeners, you know. I'll, for y'all, it's truly yeah. an altruistic act. Yeah. It's not because um, I'm cripplingly addicted to miniatures. No, not at all. Of course. <laughs> Push y'all. Um, first step is admitting you have a problem, so I'll just never admit it. Um, but yeah, if y'all want to hear more of that, please let us know, because we're really not sure if these are landing. Uh, as we're recording them. So, like, if you hear us talking about free folk and how I'm talking about ladies riding around on polar bears and you're like, what the hell is that about? Like, I'm happy to break it down or any faction. Uh, just hit us up on social media. You know where they're at. Instagram, uh, the Twitter, YouTube comments, wherever uh, you prefer to be at. And if you're interested in a Song of Ice and Fire game and you're trying to get your group into it, Maybe send them over these two episodes of the podcast. Um, you know, it might help get everybody in to have something to kind of pitch it. And then also to express to them just how affordable it is to try. Um, and, you know, we also appreciate you sharing the show. But in the meantime, uh, we'll be painting up some uh, minis for this. I've got some free folk raiders I'm going to try to paint up. John's got some reavers. And uh, until then, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide. Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all on the next episode.